Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Monday, June 13th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. For most of my life, I've been what I call psychic. Some people call it prescient. Some people call it intuition, whatever you call it. For most of my life, all the way back to probably age eight, I have had premonitions and known things that were to happen that I shouldn't otherwise know. And there was a point in my life when I was very terrified of that ability. I didn't understand what it was. But somewhere in my 20s, I met someone who had been on that path for quite a while. And they explained to me what it was and that it was, in essence, a gift. It was kind of like AM and FM, and you could tune it in or out depending on your desire. And you could also decide, in essence, how to use that gift, whether for the good or for some other purpose. And so I became comfortable with it, and I lived my life relying on that information. Sometimes the information that I get or where it leads me surprises even me after all these years. And something very much like that happened within the last week. In a recent podcast, I spoke about how I've lived in Waco, Texas for two years now. In Texas for a total of eight or nine, but I've lived in Waco for two years And in those two years, I have watched the population of this city change. And I spoke about it, as I said, in a prior podcast, and I said I watched it change in terms of its Hispanic population. And I wasn't making a racist statement. I was simply talking about how visually, and I want to say culturally, you could see the difference. It was undoubtedly a change for the worse in the sense that the kind of person who seemed to be populating the city more and more was more of an immigrant type of individual than you normally encounter in Texas. I mean, we have a large Hispanic population. They're an important part of our population here in Texas. Hispanics and Caucasians and Blacks, we all Asians, we all live here in Texas and we live peacefully. But there is an element happening in the Hispanic population that is visibly different. And today, there was an article on Breitbart News, which is a Texas-based news organization, although they have a national audience, probably international. And the headline is that the apprehensions of illegals at the Texas border during the month of May, so this just past month, exceeds the population of Waco, Texas. If they were to take all of the apprehended illegals in the month of May and plop them into a city in tech, a new city, the city would have a population larger than where I live in Waco, which just goes to make the point. Because if you think about it, that's who they apprehended. You can't even count how many got away. Because what I've heard from Border Patrol is that it's maybe double the amount that get in and aren't caught to those that are apprehended. Because I live in Texas, and because this is happening at my border, not only my state border, but my nation's border, 
It is of immense concern to me. But so are many other things that are happening in the country. So is the price of gasoline. So is the price of food. So is the, in, the culture, what has happened to us as a nation, the fear that is everywhere, the uncertainty that is everywhere. And I've been asking myself, how did this happen? Or better yet, why are the people who are in positions to do something about this allowing it to happen or causing it to happen? And two days ago, I read something. I read a quote and it brought everything into stark focus for me. Everything that had been unclear or that seemed to have multiple explanations or a variety of factors that couldn't, it all became crystal clear. And here's the quote. If someone no longer has a conscience, there is no sense in appealing to it. I'm going to repeat it. If someone no longer has a conscience, there is no sense in appealing to it. Let me elaborate on why this is such an important quote in the context of what I'm talking about. In my life, I had cause to become familiar with something called attachment disorder. Attachment disorder is a psychological condition that is often found in people who are raised in institutions or people who are raised, people who are fostered or who are abandoned and don't have early bonding. And the reason is, is that when a person lacks early bonding in those first couple of critical years of life, that's when the seeds of a conscience are planted. And if there is improper bonding, then the individual develops lacking any feeling of responsibility outside of themselves. In essence, they lack conscience. And so if you have someone who lacks conscience, because what happens a lot of times in extreme attachment disorder cases is that those children grow up to be pyromaniacs, they grow up to torture animals, they go, grow up to self-harm, they grow up without conscience, and therefore they can do things and not have any ill feelings or the kind of things that people with a conscience would feel that would either prevent them or would mitigate or would cause them to feel remorse over what they had done. And when I read the quote, I first thought about attachment disorder and the effect that it has on humans. But then I thought about the quote in relationship to what has happened to this country. And I'm not saying that everyone in a position of power who has caused this to manifest on their watch lacks early bonding or has attachment disorder. I only finally figured out they don't have a conscience. The people who are doing what, are, what is being done to this country, to this population, they do not have a conscience because if they did, they would care about the harm they are causing. They would care about an invasion from the southern border of people coming in and beginning to drain the resources of this nation to the point where we become beggars, where we become the needy, where we need baby food imported from foreign nations, where we need to go hat in hand to the Saudis and beg for oil. That's what happens 
when you don't take care of yourself and your own first. And that's what happened. Well, that's the effect. But the cause is not caring about the havoc that you wreak. You know, in Judaism, the concept of charity is called tzedakah. And you are, you are supposed to give tzedakah in Judaism. You're supposed to give charity, but you're not allowed to give charity if it turns you into a charity case. That's where the line has to be drawn. Because in order to be strong for anyone else, you at least have to be strong for yourself. And if you're not strong for yourself, you can't help anyone else. And then you become someone who becomes in need of someone else's assistance. And you only compound the problem. And that is exactly what has happened in this country. And so much of it has happened. So much of a squandering of the strength and the bounty and the blessings and the abundance that this nation has. So much of that being squandered, being devalued, even turning it into a perverse reverse psychology where what's good has become bad and what's bad has become if not good, at least accepted and normalized, is turning us into beggars, is turning us into the nation that will need help. And there is nowhere to go for help in this world because there is no other nation like the United States that has prospered with this kind of freedom and this kind of capitalism that has allowed progress and prosperity and innovation and invention to prosper. There will be nowhere to go. I saw today that it's so appalling to me. Christine Aguilera, the entertainer, she performed at a Pride Month event in Los Angeles. And on stage, in the barest of costume, she was wearing strapped to her a bejeweled dildo, a bejeweled penis. And on stage, she feigned masturbation with this thing. And I instantly thought of a couple of things. I thought of Sodom and Gomorrah. I thought of the Roman Empire, actually. I thought about the debauchery of the Roman Empire, of their culture. I thought about feeding Christians to the lions. I thought about the population coming to the Colosseum and watching other humans fight one another to the death. And as I said, feeding humans to animals. Well, the Roman Empire isn't around anymore. And all of those cultures, every single culture that has tried to defy nature, that has tried to defy the laws of God, that, have tr that has tried to force upon its population a level of servitude and dependence upon an elite class, doesn't exist anymore. And they don't exist anymore because it is, in fact, a defiance of nature and a perversion of the use of power and free will and all that is supposed to be available to autonomous humans who are divinely created and free-willed individuals. We're at that point in this country. We're truly at that point. I tend to be, I, I call myself an, an optimistic catastrophist <laughs> because I always see the worst, but I always believe and hope for the best. But I'm at a point myself where I wonder. I wonder if we're salvageable. Because as I say in prior podcasts, and I will say again to this administration, 
and to the bureaucrats in Washington who permeate every administration, those permanent employees, regardless of which party is in power, you can't make this many mistakes by accident. You simply cannot. You can't do to the economy what they've done. You can't do to the healthcare system what they've done. You can't do to the education system what they've done. I heard today that in 13 public schools in Baltimore, they don't graduate one African-American student who is proficient in either English or math. Think about that. Those students' futures are doomed. Those people are relegated to drugs and every kind of dependency and every kind of addiction and every kind of feeling of hopelessness. You can't make this many mistakes. You can't do to the border what they've done. You can't open the border and invite in, forget people from other cultures. Let's just talk about bringing in health problems. Let's just talk about the, forget COVID. Let's talk about diseases that exist in other countries and viruses that exist in other countries and bacteria that exist in other countries that don't exist here, that will now exist here, that will be spread among the population where the healthcare system has been totally deteriorated. I remember a different healthcare system. I'm old enough to remember a different healthcare system in this country. It's a farce now. It's a shadow of its former self. You can't make this many mistakes by accident. When my daughter, several years ago, decided that she wanted to apply to work in a consulate, a U.S. consulate abroad, so she answered an ad by the federal government for consular positions. And in order to do that, you have to, after you apply, you have to take a test with the federal government. And that test is predicated upon books that they recommend you read for the test. And so she went out and she bought all these books that she had to read about U.S. history and about international relations and all of these things that you would expect a consular or a consulate employee to have knowledge of once they are assigned to a foreign country, to a U.S. consulate in a foreign country. And I was looking through the stack of books and I saw that she had to read the U.S. history, History of the United States, by Howard Zinn. And when I saw the book, I said to her, you don't want to take the test and you don't want to work for this government. And she said, why? And I said, Howard Zinn is a rat, was a radical Marxist. That's who the guy was. And if that is the book that the U.S. government is saying you have to go to as the authority on U.S. history, Something's very diseased and something's very wrong at the high echelons of our government. That was, if I'm not mistaken, about four years ago, maybe five. Look what has happened to this country in the last four or five years. It's everywhere. You can't make this many mistakes by accident. And while I am certain that corruption has always existed in government, because it is the nature of the beast. People get around power and they get around influence. You know, I remember when I was appointed to the board of directors of the Condominium Association that I used to live at, 
I had to find other board members quickly. Our entire board had resigned. It's a long story. There was litigation. Regardless, I was now the new head of a new board, and I had to quickly get new board members, not through election, but through my own gathering and appointment of several people until we had a formal election. And so I started talking to people who were interested in a board position. And I remember this one young woman came in to talk to me, and she was a very high executive with Lexus, the automobile company. And she was telling me her experience, how she had been on a board before with another homeowners association. And so she was familiar with procedure. And at first in the conversation, I thought, oh, she's going to be great. She's going to be a great addition. And then she said, and you know, when you're on the board, you can give yourself all kinds of special perks that other people in the community can't get. And you don't have to charge yourself certain fees and you'll be able to, you know, violate certain... And I looked at her and I said, no, that's not what happens when you're on a board or you have position, a position of authority. You don't abuse it. She doesn't like me. She doesn't like me to this day. And that's the reason why. There is that in human nature. When people get around power and they get around money and they get around the opportunity to abuse both, they will. It's human nature. It's a very rare person that can go into public service with all of the seduction that it provides. I remember years ago, now Senator Ron Wyden was then a freshman congressman, and I was lobbying in Washington, D.C., and he asked me, sitting in his office, and I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, and I was a registered Democrat at the time, which I am no longer. I'm a registered independent. And he said to me, when are you going to run? And I said, run for what? And he said, Congress in Pennsylvania. You run for Congress and the Democratic Party will back you. And I was flabbergasted. I was in my 20s, late 20s. And I came back to Philadelphia and I called my father and I said, could you meet me? I have a question. So he met me for lunch and I told him what then Congressman Wyden had said to me. And I said to my father, should I run? And he said, you can run for public office when you are independently wealthy and you don't need the salary. And I said, why? And he said, because as long as you need the money they're going to pay you, then you're going to be subject to the influence of the perks and the benefits and everything else. In a way, that's why they hated Donald Trump so much. Put aside his personality and his obsession with Twitter and his arrogance and his condescension and his ego and his vanity, put it all aside. They hated him because he didn't need their money. He didn't need them for the fame or the money or the doors to open for him. He didn't need them. And they hated him for that because 90% of those people who have turned politics into a lifetime career have made fortunes off of it and they need it. They needed the in and they needed the access and they needed the ability to abuse the system for their own benefit, for their own profit at the expense of everyone else. You can't make this many mistakes. You can't do this to a nation, to a culture, to a population. You can't instill this kind of uncertainty in the economy and fear in the general population by accident. There's been a plan. The plan is darn near complete. And I can tell you this, having dealt with someone who has attachment disorder, if someone no longer has a conscience, there is no sense in appealing to it. And that's how we now have to proceed with politics and government. There is no sense appealing to their sense of conscience 
or any feelings that you would project onto them that they should have about the situation that you're in or the situation that I'm in or the situation that any upstanding citizen of the United States is in. They have sold us out. They don't care. They will continue to take advantage. The oppression will get worse. The enslavement will get worse. The only thing you can do when you are dealing with people who have no conscience is to take the reins of your own destiny in your own hands and begin to steer this beast as you were. If I want to keep the analogy with clean, if I want to use reins, then you've got to continue to steer this horse in the direction you want it to go in and damn be whatever's in front of you. Make it get out of your way, but make sure that your goal is a noble one. Make sure of where you want to go and how you want to get there and where you want to wind up. And then tell everyone that's in your way to get the hell out of your way because you're moving to a higher good, because you're a better person, and because they, like the Romans and every other elitist group in human history that tried to enslave humanity, will go by the wayside. Have faith, everyone. Have faith, have certainty, and hold love in your heart. I'm Carol Gold. Thanks for listening. I'll be back here again on Wednesday. And until then, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.